few burdens are heavy when everyone lifts. Welcome to Agency for Change, a podcast from Kid Glove that brings you the stories of changemakers who are actively working to improve our communities. In every episode, we'll meet with people who are making a lasting impact in the places we call home. We are really lucky to have so many great organizations in Lincoln, Nebraska that help people, whether it's through financial assistance, providing food, career training, or education. And today, we're going to hear from a nonprofit that's getting ready to celebrate 20 years of fighting poverty in our city. We're going to find out what kind of programs they offer, what their greatest need is right now, and how you can help them meet that need. Hi, everyone. This is Kelly Peterson, Chief Creative Officer at Kid Glove. Welcome to another episode of the Agency for Change podcast. Today's guest is Michaela Carter, Executive Director at the Center for People in Need, which works to eliminate poverty in the community through the distribution of food, diapers, clothing, household goods, and several programs that help people find employment. Michaela, I'm eager to talk with you today and learn more about the great impact you are making on the world. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to join you today. You bet. Let's start with you giving us an overview of what the Center for People in Need does and who you help. Yeah, absolutely. So the Center for People in Need, what we do is we we help low-income individuals in, in our community. And I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek in terms of our community. We recently looked out and, and we're serving 21 different communities. So people from 21 different communities are coming to the Center for Services. And so I look at what we offer uh, Lincoln and, and surrounding counties and communities with a we we offer a two-pronged approach to the services. And And I don't think one is more important than the other. I think that they absolutely come in tandem with one another. And so when we're talking about the services at the Center for People in Need, we offer basic services. And and oftentimes that's most people know us for that. That's going to be food. We distribute food Monday through Friday, twice on Tuesdays. We, We provide diapers for families each month. We provide household goods that are donated by our community so that folks can come in and, and, and get those goods if they're reestablishing themselves or they're, they're simply just needing to supplement. And then we have our education platform. And, and, and that's really our, our growth pathway as we look to the future. But what we do is we provide five different programs currently to our clients uh, that they're able to uh, earn certifications, increase their education. They're able to do upskilling. So we have a lot of different spaces for folks to really educate themselves. And our end goal is for folks to really not to to earn. And I I don't want to be a, a surviving wage. We want folks to have a thriving wage. And so we want to provide them with the educational opportunities for them to use as a springboard into that workplace, that, that career, that, opportunity to provide for their family. And so that's what we do in tandem with one another. That is so amazing. And sometimes there just aren't enough words in the English dictionary to describe things. So when you said number one is basic and I'm thinking there's nothing basic about all those amazing things that you provide. (laughs) 
So I wish there was another word. (laughs) It doesn't seem basic at all. It seems essential and Mm -hmm. critical and Mm -hmm. foundational. And so we need to come up with a new word. Maybe that'll be our next thing. (laughs) Foundational. I'm going to jot that down actually, because I I like that. Play, Play with that a little. Yeah. Well, Michaela, I did a little snooping on your LinkedIn profile to prepare for our interview. And I found that you come from the banking industry. I do. What spurred your decision to join the nonprofit world after 22 years of (laughs) banking? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. So banking is an amazing industry. It's one of the oldest industries out there. And the bank that I worked for was a family-owned bank, still very much part of of Lincoln. It's a family-owned bank, a community bank. And When I started my career there, they really did emphasize for all employees to be that servant leader. And that meant in terms of internally with how we're leading our teams, but also it meant how we, how we represent ourselves in the community. And so it was from that experience, that exposure that I really had that first taste of giving of others, giving of myself to others. And so I've been serving on boards for the last 22 years within the banking, representing the, the, the financial institutions that I was working at. And so I, I served on boards and I found that I loved it. I looked forward to those board meetings. I looked forward to those committee meetings. I looked forward to understanding what those organizations, those agencies were doing on repeat. And I, I've, I've led people for a number of years. It's been such a treasure. I, I love people fundamentally at the core of what I do. I, I enjoy learning about people and understanding folks. And so I, I most of my banking career, I occupied the retail space, but it was the tail end of my career that was, uh, I represented the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the organization I was with. And it was in that year and a half opportunity that I got to really understand people. And, and I won't, I won't claim to be a cultural competency expert, but I got to learn more about people. And I got to learn more about how I want to help people, how I want to show up every day and how I want to, to meet people where they are. And it was through that opportunity paired with the volunteer work that I was already doing in in terms of serving on boards that really did lead me to where I am today. I maintain firmly that I am in the exact role that I should be today. I maintain that firmly, but I needed to take all of the steps up to this point in order to get here. And so that's the really exciting piece about being in the space that I am in is I had to have all those amazing opportunities to be here today. And I'm thrilled and, and honored to be here. I think that's a story too, of sometimes you say, I'm here today. I'm so lucky to be in the place that I am today. However, it's probably not a lot of luck. <laughs> that was probably a lot of hard work that determination, is <laughs> and all of those things. So when I say I am, I want people to feel lucky, but I think back, hmm, you took advantage of some incredible opportunities and whether you want to call that luck, that's okay too. Yeah. But all the stars sometimes align mm-hmm. because you manifested them to yeah. do so. So good for you. I do believe in that as well. Yes. (laughs) I firmly believe in that. Are there any lessons from your history in banking that have served you well in your new role? Yes, absolutely. And so they actually, they translate over beautifully. So the banking world to where I'm at today, really 
the skill set absolutely pairs over beautifully. And, and, and as I mentioned before, I was, I was a people leader in addition to the DEI work that I did. And so coming into the nonprofit space, I get to work with people from different age groups, ethnicities, socioeconomic levels. And so that moves over and pivots beautifully. In banking, we're always talking about process improvements. We're always talking about how we can do things better, more efficiently. And I do think that coming into this space, I've had an opportunity to really sit with the processes and the, and, and the procedures and the operational pieces that we have at the agency. And I'm able to evaluate them from a perspective that's a little bit more holistic than perhaps the approach has been in the past. And, and I think another piece of, of wisdom that I learned in banking is that there needs to be a diversification in funds. So when we're talking about funding, there needs to be different revenue streams and how a for-profit and honestly, a nonprofit is, is operating. And so I've had an opportunity to deep dive into that as well to challenge the team here, which I have to make a plug for are the most exceptional people. I, I keep challenging them. Okay. We need to talk about revenue streams. We need to talk about the sustainability. We're honored to have been in this seat and to be serving Lincoln for the last 20 years. What do the next 20 years look like? But I'm even going to challenge past that. What do the next 100 years look like? And so I'm taking all of those lessons learned as we're talking about return rates on, on different things. And I, I'm, I'm bringing them forward to the, the nonprofit space. I love that. Taking playbook from nonprofits to for-profits and yeah. the reverse, I think is so great. There's so much I have learned from nonprofits that have helped some of the for-profit brands be successful and also the other way around. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about this with your focus on the fulfilling basic needs or the foundational things and then the education, but what kind of programs does the Center for People in Need offer and which ones are most utilized by the community? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the latter part of the question is, you know, the utilization piece. So this year we are at 78% greater increase over last year at this time in, in terms of the families we're serving. So when I, when I received that number, when it came through my email to highlight how we're serving our community and the numbers, I reached out to the person that sent it and I said, is, is this number truly accurate? We are serving 78% more folks right now than we were last year. And they said, yes. And I had to sit with that for a while. It was so profound to me. One, I'm thankful that we're able to keep stride with the needs of our community. And, and as people are needing them, we're seeing 1800 families each week on average, each week that are coming through our doors for, for diapers, for food, for the, those basic items. And the fact that we can continue to keep stride and pace with that is so remarkable. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But it also makes me evaluate and say, okay, how do we, how do we start creating guardrails around that narrative? How do we start creating identities for folks so that we can better serve and help them so that those numbers, though they're always going to be present and they're always going to be there, how do we provide opportunities for the community that we serve? so that they can see things differently. So that in a year, five years, 10 years from now, they're not needing our services. We're still here and we're still here to serve, but they're no longer needing them because of what we provided them, both in terms of that foundational basic needs, but also in terms of that education 
platform that we're offering our, our clients at this time. So in terms of who we're seeing, we're seeing certainly more people coming in for the basic needs, but how we're changing that story and the narrative is from our education platform. I think that's a perfect transition to this next question because there are so many misconceptions mm -hmm. about who you serve. And, or at least that is my perception of it, that there's yeah. misconceptions. So what kind of misconceptions exist about who you serve and how do you dispel those notions? Yeah. So, you know, po poverty is, is very complex. And so to say that there's one reason why people end in poverty is, is a comment that is untrue and false and highly insensitive. And so because of that, it's hard to identify one way out of poverty. And I think some of those misconceptions really do come in the form of people believing that, you know, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, or if you work harder or more hours, you'll get yourself out of poverty. And, and those, though those are factors, again, the notion of poverty is so very complex. And, and I don't always share this story, but from my own perspective, I was somebody that would have used services from the Center for People in Need. I would have been somebody that, that represented that 200% or greater uh, federal poverty level and would have required the services. I have been somebody early on in my adulthood that found myself, I was a single mother, and I found myself needing services, and I found myself needing people to help me. And it was a short period of time, but there were so many notions around my situation that were false. And so as I get to sit here and meet people where they are, right, I don't make assumptions. I don't make generalizations. What I get to do, because people did this to me, and you talked about luck earlier on, and some of it was luck. A lot of it was grit and hard work. And a lot of it was also having people to mentor me and to help me and to walk beside me. And so that's what we get to do here. And so the notion that to make more takes you out of poverty or to have this, you know, to work harder to, I've heard words like lazy. Those are all very false and very damaging words. There's so much to poverty. There's so much complexity. And so having the opportunity to stand beside, walk beside, learn from people and help them along. That's the critical piece to moving forward. And, and to hear with an open mind and an open heart allows us to change their identity story. And then that's generationally impacted. And so that generational poverty is a real thing. That's why we're here. And we have amazing volunteers. We have amazing community members that come in here and they're willing to meet people where they are. And so when we're having that conversation, we have the opportunity to, to share with people what we get to do every single day and who we get to serve every single day. We share that, that each person has their own story on why they're here today. Wow. Everything you have just said, it just speaks so true. At Kid Glove, we're working on a project right now that has to do with a trauma series, uh, how people mm. factors of trauma and mental health and things like that. And as you were saying, there's it's poverty is so complex and mental health is so complex, but there's such an intertwine uh, of that. And poverty is something that can cause trauma that's gonna follow you for a life and and through those generations. And so, yes. <laughs> 
over the years and, and we get better, we haven't, we don't understand it all by a long shot, but we're getting better and better and better. And as you say, meeting people where they're, where they are at is a big part of it. So my, I imagine that the services have changed over time. <laughs> so how have services at the Center for People in Need changed over the years to continue meeting the needs of the community? <laughs> so uh, that's a really, really big question. Uh, our, our, our name is Center for People in Need. And that's really pretty darn encompassing. And so as you know, in need has a lot of different terms and thoughts and broad landscapes that we get to serve people in. So one of my favorite things, I haven't been in my role for too, too long, but I've been meeting with a lot of other executive directors within the nonprofit space here in Lincoln. And one of my favorite things to do is to say, what do you know about the Center for People in Need? How have you partnered with us in the past? And more importantly, how can you partner with us in the future? And if you were to think of something that represents us from an identity, a branding standpoint, what is it? Because I think it's fascinating to understand what people think. And on repeat, I hear <laughs> so many different things. Beatty Brosh is our founder, and Beatty is still very present in our operations. And dare I even say our day-to-day -day operations, she still comes in and supports as an advocate and as a tremendous lifter for our community. And I'll come back to the center and I'll say, when did, when did we do car seats? When did we do children's vitamins? And so when you ask what we've done or been known for over the years, we've been known for a variety of things. Now, what has always remained the same is that, that food insecurity component. That has been something that tethers us, that anchors us to our core and to our mission. But over the years, we've continued to expand. And as we look to expand to the future, I think one of the biggest value adds, one of the one of the greatest benefits that they the staff did, that Beatty did from that planning piece, was bringing on that education piece and bringing in the opportunities for folks to improve their circumstances through their employment. And so that's really we're known for a lot of things. Food is always going to be the anchor, but as we look forward. That narrative really, what we really want that narrative to be is around that education piece. So when asking these questions throughout the community, and there's absolutely no doubt in the 22 years that every person you have helped leaves a lasting impression and a big impact. But I'm curious if there's any stories that stand out to you. Hmm. You know, so here at the center, I think that there's a couple different things and I can speak from my for-profit world and, and, you know, there's a lot of stories of how I've been inspired and challenged by employees that are so incredibly meaningful and have allowed me to get where I'm at and catapulted me through my leadership. But in terms of, of, of the short period of time I've been here at the center, I, I think and when I was looking at the balance sheet and when I was looking at the numbers, you know, numbers don't tell you everything. So I, I want to be mindful of that. I was thinking at, I, I was looking at our programs that really we don't have funding on that, that, that really, we don't have that support. And our ELL program is one of those largely. And so I was looking at it and thinking, gosh, does it make sense to have our English language learning classes? And so during my first week, I asked the ELL instructors if I could sit in on their classes and we, we teach classes one, two, and three. So it'd be 
beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And so I, I put myself on the calendar. I, I blocked myself for the entire two and a half hours that they taught their class so I could sit in it to really evaluate and, and be part of it. And I'll, I'll give you the story here in just a minute, but my resounding message to you is, Yes, it's, it is critical. And here's why I sat in on the ELL one class and I was mesmerized by these people in the class. There were 17 students that were taking our ELL class or our, our beginning or our one class. And of those 17 students, there were nine separate languages spoken. That's amazing. And they sat there in this classroom with their eyes so wide open, so excited, so committed to learning our language, so thankful. The gratitude was so tremendous. They sat there with great ideas of what this was going to help them be and do and, and how they were going to become part of our, our community in learning our language. And after sitting through it, I didn't need to go through classes two and three to, to understand how enriching this was. I, I still did because it was still beautiful and, and valuable to see. But I knew in that moment, this is something we absolutely have to continue. It means something. And it means something to a very large population of people that are so scared, so frightened. And in that moment, we are some of the first people they get to see when they come to our community. And we get to provide that safety and that safety net for them. We get to provide them with English. We get to serve as one of those first touch points. And that is truly remarkable and something that cannot be, a price tag can't be placed on that. And so after I sat through those classes, it wasn't one person. It wasn't one exact story. It wasn't one exact look or quote or anything like that. It was the embodiment of what we're able to do for these individuals that truly meant something to me. And I had, and here's another one. I was sitting. My office is adjacent to the the waiting room. So when folks come in that are new to the center and want to apply for a, a center card to get our services, I get to hear a lot of the conversations when my my door is open. And the other day, I, I was listening and I heard a woman say, "I haven't used your services in over five years. I'm sad and I'm embarrassed that I have to be here." But I simply, and it makes me want to cry, it makes me want to tear up. I simply can't make ends meet right now. And so one, I'm so thankful that you're here to help me. And two, I'm hoping that it is short term. And three, there's a great deal of humility in coming back here, but there is integrity in how you, how you work with people. And I heard that and I went out there and I, and I sat with this woman and I, I listened to her story and I heard her story and I, I heard about how her retirement wasn't getting her by like she thought it was going to. And I heard how, how she had worked her entire life so hard and saved and, and, and really sacrificed to get to the space in retirement and simply put, she just can't make ends meet right now. And it was, again, it was one of those moments that I was thankful that we were here. I was thankful for the services that we provide equally. I'm so thankful that we get to continue to do these things. And so they're not, they're not these huge stories and they'll, they'll, those, those exist. I, I haven't personally experienced them. Those are two stories of people that we've made an impact on. And so for them in that moment, meeting them where they are, that was a huge story for them. And that was a moment of, of safety for, for, for both situations. And so not huge in terms of these grandiose stories, but for me, it was highly telling on 
why it's important with the work that we do. I think those are both big impact stories, very powerful stories. Thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. In your view, Michaela, what is the organization's greatest need right now? And how can people help you meet that need? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a little bit of a cliche, those, those three T's, the time, talent, treasure, mm-hmm. but it rings true. You know, so not only do we we meet the community that we serve, our, our low-income community, we meet, we meet our volunteers, however that looks, our donors, however that looks for them. And so, you know, when we're looking at the community and the ways that they can and help us and, and the immediate needs, of course, we can always use financial support. I mean, that's an obvious, that's a given. And so that treasure component is incredibly critical and valuable. And when I talk about treasure, I'm not talking about $500 each month or a, a, a large pledge of $100,000 we have many donors that give us $5 a month. And that treasure is so incredibly valuable. And it's equal to that person that is able to give us $10,000 a month. And so that treasure is important. But if that's something you can't do, that's okay too. That 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 management of, of your of giving of your time. We have volunteers that come here every single day and help us. It's amazing to me. I would see the same people. I'd go out on food distribution when I first started here and I'd say, gosh, that person, I, I, I saw him here yesterday. I saw him here the day before. And they're like, yeah, they come every day. And I'm like, but they're not paid. They're like, yes, they, they come here every day to volunteer with us. And we have those folks that come on a daily basis to volunteer. And again, if you can't do daily, that's completely fine. If you can do once a year, that is great. So that, that time piece. And if, and if your talents are something where you would love to come in and help us organize. So maybe you're a master organizer. We have a hundred thousand square feet in our facility and we have a huge warehouse. We could use organizational skills. If you're somebody that likes to paint, there's always opportunities to paint. If you're somebody that just has a hankering for cleaning and deep cleaning, we always have those. So again, as we look at the time, talent, and treasure, we welcome it all and we cherish it all. So good. And so well said. Thank you. So this next year is a big one. You're (laughs) celebrating your 20th anniversary. Are are you planning any special activities or events (laughs) to recognize this milestone that you would like to share? We sure the heck are. So we identified very quickly that we aren't and and I love organizations that do it. And I love, I love getting fancy and, and getting my, my gown on, but we are not gala people. We are not, our, our community isn't, our, our staff isn't, I'm not, we're not gala people. And so in terms of honoring Beatty and the 20 years of amazing service, we thought what, what wrecking, what, what recognition really does embody who we are. And so we are putting together what we're calling and it may change a little bit, so don't uh, hold me to this, is the People's Parking Lot Party. We are going to have, in, in we're hoping in June, to have a very large event. Now, when we think about the Center for People in, in Need, we talk about community all the time, on repeat. And so what we want to do is we want to invite the Lincoln community. We want to invite our clients in, and we want to have a great celebration, a party. We want to have a big band. We are going to have food trucks. We are going to have... 21 and older, alcohol, should you want to. And we're going to have this great opportunity for everybody to come together and 
and, and really have a great evening and celebrate together the 20 years. And so we are just going to have, we're, we're kind of like toying with the idea of it being a street dance, a, a party. Again, we have space for days. We have a parking lot that is enormous. We have the ability to do this and to do it well. And so we're really starting that work right now. We met with a with an event planner uh, last week and uh, she's starting to get some different things put together for us. So we're get ready, be ready, more to come around that. But also as we talk about, and and that's that's pretty big and identifiable, but then we start talking about those impact points that we have made over the years and they're significant and they're, they're large and they're crossed, I would say, across the United States, and I might even say globally, because we do help so many refugees and 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 folks, you know, immigrants that come here. We want to do also a heat map, and so haven't flushed this full idea out. But what we want to do is we really want to show that impact from a very large, broad scale. In twenty years, helping people every day, all day, what does that look like? And so, when our donors give to us, what does that look like? And how is that impact really identified? And so we're going to start putting plugs out there and saying, if you've ever been impacted, big or small, if you've ever been impacted by the Center for People in Need or or Beatty Brush, let us know. Share with us. Share with us where you are today. Share with us your story. And we want to start putting pins on where those folks are. And we want to start lifting those people up and sharing those stories. And so, again, it's going to be a hybrid of a lot of different things. It's very much in its early infancy, but that's really what we want to do. We want to bring the word people to the forefront, and we want to celebrate the people that have been impacted by the center and have impacted us. Oh my gosh. If we had a whole nother podcast session, I would do one of how uh, Beatty and the Center for People in Need has affected me. <laughs> so uh, definitely came in contact through my work uh, when I was at Cedars Home for Children in their marketing department, <laughs> but also personally in my family. Um, I have taken my kids and we have filled hygiene kits um, wow. for others and have worked and to do that kind of hands-on giving back experience when your kids are young um I don't know I could fill a whole heap map of my own of of now I have very uh philanthropic and volunteering uh kids and and I did uh through my mom as well and so that's how it all gets started is is mm. growing up and seeing how you can be part of the community uh and so yes love both of those ideas and I'm all for a party. Come on. I know. Right? And that's more of who we are too. I was talking to Beatty and I said, Beatty, this is what we're thinking of doing. And, and if you know, Beatty, you know, Beatty had I do know some Beatty. really quick-witted <laughs> comment around it, which she did. And she was pretty thrilled. I said, we could even, we could even name a, 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 a beer after you Beatty's brew. And she really, she really liked that. But and when we were talking about doing something a little more formal, she's like that. No. And it's like, that's, that's right. That's not who you are. That's not who yeah. we are. So let's, let's be true to who we are. Perfect. So Michaela, I'm inspired by motivational quotes. Yeah. I'm a word gal. Could you give us a few of your own words of wisdom for our listeners? <laughs> so this isn't going to be my own. So I'm, I'm cheating ever so slightly with your, your question and, and guidance here, but I, there, it's, it's, I've used this my entire career and it's an African proverb and it's very simple. And it goes like this, 
few burdens are heavy when everyone lifts. And I think that that translates so beautifully in so many ways. And, and for the space that I'm in right now, when we're all lifting together from a community standpoint, from an organization standpoint, there's so much that can be accomplished. And when we do it together, it can be truly magical. And so that's one of my favorite quotes that I do on repeat. But I think in terms of, of words, and I am I'm very much a quote person and I love to wordsmith things, you know, I, I always think too about, you know, that, and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, is the Maya Angelou quote about people don't remember how how what you said or what you did, but they absolutely, again, I'm adding stuff. I They absolutely remember how you made them feel. And I, I remember that every day. I remember that every day and, and the responsibility I have and hold to make people feel like they're worthy, that they're empowered, that they have strength, that they have the ability to dream, that they have the ability to succeed. And so every day I get to do that. Those are very powerful words. So how can our listeners find out more about the Center for People in Need and the work you're doing? <laughs> well, there's lots of different ways, and I invite any number of them. You can certainly give us a call. You can call us at the center, and that, that direct line is, uh, well, you know what? I'll just give you my direct line. If you want to learn more, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it. My direct line is 402-473-3010, or get on our website, which is uh, centerforpeopleinneed.org. Uh, and you can learn about all of the different services. You can learn about all of the different opportunities to, to contribute um, time, talent, or treasure to the organization. Or if you want to reach out to me, my email's on there as well. I invited, if you want to stop in for tours, if you want to stop in to volunteer, whatever it is, however we can meet you, let us know. So, but, but reach out, certainly. So as we wrap up our time together today, what is the most important thing you would like our listeners to remember about the work you're doing? Mm. You know, I, I, again, it's a responsibility. It's a, it's a responsibility to be able to serve people. And um, it's one that I hold very dear and deeply. And uh, the fact that we get to be here because of the generosity of our Lincoln community and because of the support of our Lincoln community is amazing. And the fact that people need our services and that we're able to be there for them is truly amazing. And so wrapping it up, making sure that every day I'm, I'm, I'm acting with responsibility, making sure that every day I'm acting with honor and integrity and, and truth and that I'm fulfilling a purpose is so very important in the work that we're doing here. Michaela, I fully believe that the world needs more change makers like you. Thank you for taking the time to share with us today. Well, it has been nothing short of my pleasure. So thank you so much, Kelly. I've enjoyed it tremendously. We hope you enjoyed today's Agency for Change podcast. To hear all our interviews with those who are making a positive change in our communities or to nominate a changemaker you'd love to hear from, visit kidglove.com at K-I-D-G-L-O-V.com to get in touch. As always, if you like what you've heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.